Well, turning your Bibles to Esther chapter 2, we're continuing, of course, our study of this book, and we're seeing the lives of the Jewish people. They were living in the Persian Empire some 500 years before Jesus was ever born. In this, we see their events and their lives, but we see the providence of God, the protection of God, and we see the power of God. And what we're going to see is we're going to see this girl, Esther, a young Jewish girl, is chosen out of all of the people, chosen to be the queen of the Persian Empire. How can this be? God raises her up so that she can be used to save the Jewish people from destruction. This morning, as we continue in our study, we're going to meet two more of the persons in the story. We've already seen the king Ahasuerus and his queen Vashti, and of course he got rid of her. We're going to meet Mordecai and Esther. And Esther becomes queen as God is working out his plan. As we look this morning, there's two things I want you to think about as we go through the passage. Okay? One, how should we respond to the events and circumstances that come in our life, both good or bad? How do we deal with the things that some are so good and you go, I can't believe how good this is. And some are so bad and you can't believe how bad it is. How do we respond to that? There's a second thing, though. Where does a woman's beauty really come from? Because we're going to see it as we look in this passage. And we're going to think about what the Bible has to say. So we want to trust God in the events and circumstances of our lives, knowing that he's in control and that he's working all things according to the counsel of his will. You know, the Miss America pageant, I think it's one of the most famous beauty pageants in the world. It's an opportunity, really, for people to gain scholarships. A lot of people think it's just some kind of beauty pageant. I know in years there have been the, uh, people talking about it. But, you know, I've known people who have been in the Miss America pageant. And uh, we had a girl in our church, Gina Lynn Smith, was Miss Oklahoma, was in the Miss America pageant. Betty Thompson was in our church, and she was Miss Oklahoma, and she was in the Miss America pageant. And then when I coasted Mississippi State, there was actually a girl in our church named Cheryl Pruitt who actually became Miss America. And uh, she got to give a great testimony for Jesus Christ. And some people say, boy, they were really lucky to win, or they were lucky to be Miss Oklahoma, or they were lucky to be that. And all of the people that I know connected with these things say, it wasn't luck, it was the grace of God. That's how God was working. This morning we're going to see sort of a beauty pageant. It's not really a beauty pageant, but it's sort of a beauty pageant. And Esther... Out of the 127 provinces in the Medo-Persian Empire, and of all of the women picked out of all of this, Esther is going to be chosen to become the queen. We see God is working. And we realize that God is working in all events of our lives. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. It didn't say all things were good. He said all things work together for good. God is in control in both the good things and the bad things. When you get the promotion, and when you get the flat tire. When you pass the test, when you don't pass the test. And today we're going to see something good. Esther becomes queen. It looks good. It's the best of the possible. Listen, to be in this beauty contest is not a good thing. You may think, boy, that'd be great to get picked to be a, you know, one of the beautiful women in the kingdom and get to be picked. That's not a good idea. In fact, the very best that could ever turn out for you is to be queen. So Esther became the queen. That's the best that could happen. But there's some bad things. Because Mordecai saves the king's life. And you think if you save the king's life, what do they do for you? They give you awards and they give you something to wear around. And I mean, they give you a big job. And he gets absolutely nothing. Have you ever done something really good and nobody gives you anything? Nobody even says, great job? That's what happened to Mordecai. 
but God's in control. And there's a reason. There's a reason for everything because God doesn't make mistakes. God is working the events of our lives. Well, let's, let's remember where we are. God has raised up the Persian Empire. See, there was the Babylonian Empire, and they took the Jewish people off into captivity. And then God raised up an empire called the Medo-Persian Empire. Darius the Mede and Cyrus the Persian. And they took over and they conquered the world. And God had put in Cyrus the king's heart to let the Jewish people go back home. It had been exactly 70 years, and that's what God had prophesied in Jeremiah, that they would only be in captivity for 70 years. And sure enough, exactly the 70 years they go back. And the books of Ezra and Nehemiah are the books that tell of those who went back, who left the Medo-Persian Empire and went back to Israel, went back to the, the homeland. But the book of Esther is the story of those who stayed. And these are Jewish people living in the Medo-Persian Empire, in the capital of the Medo-Persian Empire. And to be real honest, they should have gone home. That's what they were supposed to do. Some people could say they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. But we're going to find out that Esther's in the right place at the right time. So as we look at this, two things to think about. And I mentioned it a while ago. How do we respond to the events and circumstances in our lives? And what makes a woman beautiful? Well, last time, remember, Xerxes had called. Xerxes is his, is his name that we know him from history. He's called Ahasuerus in the Bible. He had, had the big party, and he called for his queen to come in. He wanted to come in so all of these drunken men could look at her and see how beautiful she was, and she wouldn't go. And she wouldn't come in. And so he was embarrassed and he was all prideful. And he, all, he brought, called in his officials. He said, what are we supposed to do? And then they all got all worried. And one of them said, gosh, this is a bad idea because if she doesn't obey you, none of our wives are going to obey us. So let's make a decree. And so they made a decree that Queen Vashti could never come into the presence of the king again and that all wives had to obey their husbands and honor them. And they sent that out. And that's the last thing that we saw. That's how chapter 1 ended. We told you that he threw the big party because he was getting ready to go fight against the Greek, the Greco-Macedonians, and he did. And at first he was winning, and then he lost, and he came back. And four years have passed, and now as we start chapter 2, it's been four years, and they've lost the war, and the Greeks are going to get stronger and stronger and stronger under Philip of Macedonia and Alexander the Great, and they're going to conquer them eventually. But here we see King Ahasuerus and... What's going to happen now? Four years have passed. Let me give you the outline for the chapter. We're going to see the plan is to get a new queen. We're going to give you the background on Esther and Mordecai, who they are. We're going to see choosing the new queen, the gathering, the procedure, the selection. And then we're going to see at the very end, Mordecai saves the king's life. And we'll see how that fits. So there's a lot there. Well, let's look what happens. Chapter 2, verse 1. After these things, when the anger of King Ahasuerus had subsided, he remembered Vashti, what she had done, and what had been decreed against her. Now, after these things, is after the war and the defeat, because we don't know, we can't tell, but four years have passed from chapter 1 to chapter 2. He then remembered, he remembered what Vashti had done, how she had basically rebelled against him, and how, how that uh, she wouldn't obey him, and so he had to put this decree. And, and by the way, you remember the laws of the Medes and the Persians can't ever be changed. Once you have a law, you have a law. And so the law was that Vashti could never come back. And so uh, th he's now remembered that. He said, you know, I, want, I mean, I liked her, really. She was a good queen. And, but I don't have her anymore. And he remembered what had been decreed against her. And you know, sometimes, and this is the truth, that sometimes we do things that have lasting consequences. He got drunk, called us in. She wouldn't come. He banished her. He put a decree that can't be changed. And now he can't change it. And sometimes things happen in our lives, and sometimes we do things that have lasting 
consequences. So look what happens. Then the king's attendants who served him said, We got an idea. Let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. Let me tell you, these attendants are most likely the cabinet guys, the same guys that we saw four years ago, the same guys that met together and were all worried about their wives not obeying them. And they come in and they said, we better come up with an idea because if for some reason he brings Vashti back somehow, you know what that means for us? That we'll all be killed. So they said, we better come up with a plan. And it sounds like a pretty good plan. Here's the plan. The king's attendants who served him said... Let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. Let the king appoint overseers in all the province of his kingdom that they may gather every beautiful young virgin to the citadel of Susa, to the harem in the custody of Hege, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women, and let cosmetics be given to them. So here's what we want to do. He says, listen, king, we know you want a queen. Here's the idea. Why don't we go throughout all of the kingdom, all 127 provinces, and let's pick out the most beautiful young virgins... Pick them out, bring them here, put them all here, send them through a, you know, a beautification process and everything, and then you can pick whichever one you want to be your queen. Now, if you're a young girl in the kingdom, you may think that sounds like a good idea. Like, hey, I'm going to be in a beauty contest. Who knows? I might be the queen of the whole nation. We're going to find out it's not that good a deal, okay? And we'll show you why in just a minute. But what does this say about Xerxes? Because if you, if you continue to read, it says uh, he, he was pleased. He pleased him. He was glad. When it says that uh, their, their cosmetics be given to them, it literally says polish them up. You know, shine them up. Get them ready. Get them where they look the best they can look. Then it goes down in verse 4. It says, then the young lady who pleases the king, the, uh, pleases the king uh, will be the queen in place of Vashti. So we're going to get to pick out, King, you'll get all of these beautiful young girls, and you'll get to pick out whichever one you want to be the new queen. And the matter pleased the king, and he did accordingly. He said, that sounds like a great idea. Sounds like a great idea. That's what he's going to do. Now, before we find out what happens, we're going to meet the two key people in the whole book, and that's Mordecai and Esther. So look at verse 5. Now, there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been taken into exile from Jerusalem with the captives, who had been exiled with Jehoiakim, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had exiled. Now we meet this man, and his name is Mordecai. And he, and he, and he traces back his lineage. Okay, It goes back to his dad was Jer, and then there was a guy named Shimei, and then there was uh, Kish, and then there was a Benjamite, uh, who was a Benjamite. And they got taken off into captivity. Some 70... Maybe, really, it's, it's going to be possibly close to 80 to 90 years earlier. These guys had been taken into captivity by, ba by Nebuchadnezzar, king of the Babylonians. Take them off into captivity, and they'd never come back. And Mordecai's still living there. Now, he wasn't taken off into captivity. He probably wasn't alive. He was born in captivity. He's never known Israel. See, one of the reasons so many of the Jewish people never went back is because they didn't know the land. They were born in captivity. They were born in Babylon. And when the Medio Persians took over, they thought, well, we'll just keep living here. Why would we go back? We don't even know what it's like back there. In fact, we've heard everything's been messed up. And if you go back, it's going to be really hard to start all over. And so most of them stayed. And that's what, that's what Mordecai's doing. He stayed. 
And then it says this. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had no father or mother. Now the young lady was beautiful of form and face, and when her mother and father, our father and mother had died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Now look, first of all, here's what they her name is Hadassah, which means myrtle, like a myrtle tree. Her name is Hadassah. Now Esther is really a Persian name. Ishtar. It's Persian. It was one of the Persian goddesses. So when we say Esther, we're actually using a Persian name. So if you want to be biblical and want to say, well, I don't want to use any false god name, we'll just call her Hadassah. But Esther's okay. She's still the same girl. And so it says that he was bringing up Hadassah, that's Esther, his uncle's daughter. That made him, that made her his cousin. But he's a lot older. In fact, she lost her mother and father, and he was older, and he said, I will raise you, I will take care of you. You've lost your mom and daddy, which was my uncle. You're my cousin, but I'm older than you. I will take care of you. And so it says, now the young lady was beautiful in form and face, and when her mother and father died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Now, she's a beautiful person. You know, she's going to be just one of those that they want to pick, don't you think? Can you imagine Going into communities and saying, you, hey, you, come here. Yeah, yeah, get on the, get on the wagon, okay? No, no, you, you, come here, come here, come here. We're picking out all the beautiful girls, the beautiful young girls, to take them to the king. Now, it sounds like, pick me. You don't want to be picked. You don't want to be picked. You know why? Because if you go, and you're going to be in the contest. And if you don't win, you're going to be in the harem. And you will never be married. You will never have a family. You will be at the beck and call of the king for the rest of your life. Is that what you want? So I don't want that. And even if you get picked to be the queen, we're going to find that in the book of Esther, there are times the king never has anything to do with the queen. When she was going to go see the king, she said, I haven't talked to him in a month. I haven't even seen him in a month. This is not a glamour thing. This is a bad thing. This is a wicked man picking out young girls to keep them with him for the rest of their lives. So Mordecai had been raising this sweet little girl. And watch what happens. Verse 8. It came about when the command and the decree of the king was heard, and many young ladies were gathered into the citadel of Susa, into the custody of Hagi, who, that Esther was taken to the king's palace, into the custody of Hagi, who was in charge of the women. As I said, this looks good, but not really. They'd be in the king's harem, never to marry, never to have a family, just to be at the beck and call of the king for the rest of their lives. And look what happened. They saw Esther who was beautiful and they said, hey you, you, come here, come here, you. You're here. And she's been taken. Now let me tell you, Esther was amazing. Because look what it says. And we see the providence of God. Look at the next slide, I'm just going to throw this up. We see God's providence. Look what it says. Now the young lady, verse 9, pleased him 
See, she was taken to this guy. His name is Haggai. He is in king. He's the one that's in charge of this whole deal. He's in charge of all these girls. His job is to take all of these young girls and get them as looking as good as they can possibly look and then send them to the king one at a time. That's his job. And for some reason, it says, the young lady pleased him and he found favor with her. When he saw Esther, he went, hey, you, you, come here, come here. You're pretty special. Look, give me, give me seven maids. Come here, come here. Y'all take care of this lady. Put her, put her in the best place. Put her right over there. I want her to have the best place. Why? Why? Who's working behind the scenes? Who's working in all these events? God's name is never mentioned in the book of Esther. And yet God is all the way through it. So look what happens now. The young lady pleased him and found favor with him. So he quickly provided her with cosmetics and food and gave her seven choice maids from the king's palace and transferred her and her maids where? To the best place in the harem. She found favor. Out of all of these girls that are picked, why is Esther found favor? Why does this guy named Haggai look at her and go, hey, hey, you, hey, you, you over here. You're pretty special. I want you to have the best. I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna help you out. More than, yeah, you can y'all can just stand over there. I'm gonna help you out. Why? Because God is working in these events. And there is no chance in our lives. And as we go through life, God brings things in and out and around because God is working in our lives. Now I want you to see something in verse ten. Esther did not make known her people or her kindred, for Mordecai had instructed her that she should not make them known. Now listen, when all this happened, Mordecai, who is, what is he? He's Jewish, right? He's a Jew. Let me, let me remind you of something. The, the, what we call the Jewish people, they're called, sometimes called Hebrews. Because when, they, when Abraham left the Ur of the Chaldees, he crossed over the Tigris-Euphrates River, and the word Hebrew means one who crosses over. So they were called the crosser-overs, the Hebrews. And then Jacob's name was changed from Jacob to Israel, and so they became known as the Israelites, the descendant of Jacob. But the one tribe called Judah, after the captivities, Judah was the main tribe, and so some people began to say Judah, and they shortened it to Jew. So Jews come from Judah, or that's just the title. So sometimes they're called Hebrews, sometimes they're called Israelites, and sometimes they're called Jews. He's Jewish, and he told her, don't tell anybody that we're Jewish. Don't tell them. Don't tell them that we're Jewish. Why? Well, maybe he figured that that would hurt her chances. You know, because the Jewish people had been captive. They'd been, Babylonians had come in and taken them off and, and all of these different things. And, and maybe, maybe he doesn't want anybody to know anything. And listen, what does it tell you about the spiritual condition of Mordecai? See, Mordecai didn't go back when he had the chance to go back. And now he doesn't even want people to know he's Jewish. He said, don't tell them you're Jewish. Don't tell them. Did you know another person that didn't tell people they were Jewish? His name was Jonah, and he was disobedient to God, and he didn't tell people he was Jewish when he got on that ship to go. So what happened? So Esther did not make known her people or her kindred, for Mordecai had instructed her that she should not make them known. Don't tell anybody you're Jewish. Every day Mordecai walked back and forth in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and how she fared. He'd go every day and check on her. Now, I think some people would begin to say, who, who is this old man, older man that keeps coming and checking on this girl every day? Ah, he's like her father. He, I, he raised her. 
But nobody knows that the that Esther is Jewish. Now, have you ever gotten ready for, if you're a lady and you're getting ready for a party or something, you know, it might take a little while. You know, for guys, we go, I don't even have to do that. And just put on, you know, and you're ready. And you say, are you ready yet? No, I'm not ready yet. Okay, why? Right? How long does it take? Right? Look at this, verse 12. Now, when the turn of each young lady came to go to the king of Ahasuerus at the end of her 12 months under the regulations for the, for the women, for the days of the beautification were completed as follows, six months with oil and mirth and six months with spices and cosmetics for the women. Six It took them a year to get ready. <laughs> the king might say, well, how, how much longer do you think before well, I start seeing some of these girls? Oh, about a year. Don't worry about it. You know, it's going to take them a year. So here's what would happen. The young lady would go into the king in this way. Anything she desired was given to her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. Now, this is not a good story. Look at the verse. In the evening she would go in, and in the morning she would return to the second harem, to the custody. This man's name is Shazgaz. He's the king's eunuch who was in charge of all the concubines. These are the ones the king already has. She would not go into the king unless the king delighted in her and actually summoned her by name. So this isn't that great a thing. They're going to get all ready. After a year, they're going to go into the king, a night with the king. And then the next morning... Thanks for coming. And she goes in there with Shazgaz, and she may never come out of there again for the rest of her life. So this isn't a fun thing. This isn't a great thing. She's going to be one of the king's concubines for the rest of her life. So look what happened. Now when the turn of Esther, the, the daughter of Abihel, the, son, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter, came... To go into the king. She did not request anything except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the women, advised. And Esther found favor in the eyes of all her sower. Now this guy, who's been taking care of Esther, who's kind of the charge of everything, he says, listen, let me tell you something. I know the king. I know him well. Here's what you need to take. Here's what you, here's what you need to say. Here's the way you need to act. This, he's got her ready. And she says, what do I need to take in there? He says, I'm just giving you all. So she only took what he advised her, and Esther found favor in the eyes of all her saw her. Everybody looked at her and went, you are a knockout. You are beautiful. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus, to his royal palace, in the tenth month, which is the month of Tibet, in the seventh year of his reign. If you remember, it was the third year of his reign he had the party. So it's four years have passed since the party. Notice. And, and by the way, I, I want to stop for just a second and talk for something uh, about beauty. Where does beauty come from? Look at this. Outward beauty, inward beauty. Let's talk about outward beauty for just a second. I mean, God is, is great and he created people and we all look different and some some in our world and our culture I mean for some person you may say that person's beautiful somebody else may say they don't look that pretty to me I mean everybody has their own way to look at people and that's just the way God has done it but the thing about outward beauty it doesn't last and in our culture and our society the push is on outwardness and it's it, it's the value of people is is based on their outward beauty a lot of you don't remember Marilyn Monroe. I just barely remember when I was a little boy, but I remember thinking how beautiful she was. Even though I was a little boy, I loved Marilyn Monroe. But you know what? She couldn't cope with the fact 
that she was growing older, and she could not cope with the fact that she wasn't going to be probably the most beautiful woman in the world. And she killed herself. And see, I'll be honest with you, I am so tired of watching movie stars stretch their faces like this, trying to try to look younger, and then their mouths don't even look the same. And then you say, who is that? They say, well, that's that beauty, th- uh, that lady. I don't even, she doesn't even look like the same lady anymore. Why is this happening? Because people think outward beauty is the key, and it's not. The key is inward beauty. Inward beauty. Let me read something to you just because of time. Uh, in First Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, that talks about wives, wives uh, being submissive to their husbands and let him observe their character. And he says, don't let it be the outwardness, but be the inwardness. And he says this, next slide. He says, let it be the hidden person of the heart and a quiet and gentle spirit. Let it be a godly woman. You want to be beautiful? Your beauty comes from within. All of you look beautiful on the outside to me. But beauty, true beauty, comes from within. And it's of the character. And First Timothy, you can just write those verses down and look at them just because of time we can't go there. But in First Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it t- basically says, don't try to bring attention to yourself outwardly. There's nothing wrong wrong with being pretty. There's nothing wrong with looking beautiful as a woman. But the goal is not to draw the attention to yourself. He actually says in 1 Timothy that your character and your actions, your good works, your character, and your actions, and your godliness. That's why Proverbs 31, everybody says, you want to be a Proverbs 31 woman because of her character. Develop your character. That's where it comes from. That's where your beauty comes from. All of you have done this, whether you're a man or a woman. You've known a guy that looked cute, and when you get to know him, you don't even like him. He doesn't even look good to you. You've seen a girl that looked beautiful, and you start to talk to her, and before you know it, you say, good gracious. It's because it's their character. The character is what makes a person beautiful. That's the key. Let your beauty come from within. Well, look what happened. So Esther was taken to uh, King Ahasuerus to his royal palace on the 10th month, which was the month of Tevet in the 7th year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than all the women, and she found favor and kindness with him more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. She gets picked. And when the word says he loved her more than all women, the word literally means to find favor. It means he found favor. He looked at her, and he went, you are the one. How is it that he happened to pick her out? Out of all these girls. And what about him saying, you know, you literally look great. Go over there. I still got about another 50 to look through. He didn't do that. He said, I'm stopping it right here. You are my queen. Why? Because God is working in all these events. Look what happened. Then the king gave a, a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all, her prince, for all his princes and servants. And he made a holiday for the province. And he gave gifts according to the king's man. He looked, they had a, a, they had a big banquet. And it was really the coronation for her. And we see the providence of God as Esther was chosen out of all the women. She becomes the queen of the Persian Empire. And it's amazing. What are the chances of that? I mean, if they, of the 127 provinces, what if they only picked one girl out of each province? That's still one out of 127. What are the chances? We're going to see something else. We're not through and we'll go fast. Mordecai saves the king. 
Watch what happens. When the virgins were gathered together a second time, then Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Does that mean anything to you? What that really means is this, that they're going to add some more virgins. You know, he never stopped. He wants some, but it says at that time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Sitting at the king's gate means he had a government job. It means he was working for the king. Sitting at the king's gate was a place where business was conducted, and Mordecai is there. How did Mordecai get his government job? You know what? When Esther became the queen, she said, I've got a man who's like my father. Do you think you could use him somehow? And the king said, yeah, we'll give him a government job right over there by the gate. So Mordecai is on the inside now. He's working for the king. Esther had not yet, verse 20, made known her kindred or, or people, even as Mordecai had commanded her. For Esther did what Mordecai told her as she had done when he was her to care. She still never told anyone that she's Jewish. Now watch what happened. In those days, while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Big Than and Teresh, two of, two of the king's officials from those who guarded the door, became angry and sought to lay hands on the king Ahasuerus. Now these are two guys that are over the guards that guard the king's palace, and somehow they've gotten mad at the king, and they've decided that they're going to sneak in and kill the king. And Mordecai hears them talking about it, and he hears their plot. But when the plot became known to Mordecai, he told Queen Esther, and Queen Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. You can see him going to the queen and saying, listen, somebody, these two guys, they're going to try to kill the king. She said, thanks for telling me. She goes to the king and she says, those two guys, they're going to try to, my, my friend, my, my, like my second daddy, uh, Mordecai, he told me these two men are going to try to kill you. You better check it out. And when the plot was investigated and found to be so, they were both hanged on the gallows. Do not picture, hang them high, Clint Eastwood. The gallows were not gallows with a rope. The gallows were a sharpened, big stick, sharpened, and they were impaled on that and stuck up in the ground. That's how they kill people in the medial Persian Empire. They didn't hang them. They, what was called gallows was like a big sharp stick, and they were stuck on that stick and stuck out where everybody could see them. When the plot was investigated and found to be so, they were both hanged on gallows, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles in the king's presence. See, there was a person who kept the records, and the records were big as They tried to kill the king. Mordecai told what happened, and they all got killed. Okay, that happened on April 3rd, 19... And that's what they did. Now, did Mordecai save the king's life? What's he going to get for it? Nothing. If you're Mordecai, you go... What do you think I'm going to get? Like, will it be a party? Will I get a raise? Will I get a new job? Will I, what's going to happen? And nothing ever happened. Nothing ever happened. And in the next chapter, five more years are going to pass. And if you're Mordecai, you could say, well, that was great. I got nothing. Who's working all these events? God. And even in the midst of something that looks bad, and you're saying, Mordecai, you didn't get anything? That's a ripoff. No. God's in control. God's working. Not rewarded. God is working. So what have we seen? We've seen the contest was held. Esther was picked. All the preparation, she was picked. And Mordecai got a good job, and then he saved the king's life. What can we learn from this? Okay. 
trust God in the events and circumstances of our lives. He's in control, and we can be comforted by the fact that God is in control. Think about this chapter. Think about the providence in this chapter, both good and bad. We see Esther's picked, and Haggai, and she becomes favorite with him, and then she gets picked by the king, and Mordecai gets to be at the gate. He hears about the plot, all of these things. And so there's both good and bad, and we see the good. Esther becomes the queen. We see the bad. Mordecai's not rewarded. And if we say it, we can say, thank you, God, for the good. Where is God in the bad? God is there in the bad as with the good. He never leaves us. We're never alone. God is working in every event. So how do we respond when things are good and when things are bad? We have to trust Him. Second, women, be women of character. Let her beauty come from inward. Because see, outward beauty does not last. Inward beauty lasts forever. That's your character. And these verses, I just threw them up. First Peter 3, 1 Timothy 2, Proverbs 31. They're all places. Listen, if you want to be attractive, be attractive because of your character. Because it'll last forever. And you'll just get more and more beautiful as the years go by. Don't get caught up in what the world thinks is beauty and valuable. Go what God says. May we trust God in the circumstances of our lives, putting our emphasis, both men and women, put our emphasis on character, and let's live according to the Word of God, trusting Him in all these events. 